Dr. Mark Malone from Advanced Pain Care on how the spinal cord stimulator blocks pain signals, bringing patients relief at last. And we're able to tune this device to mimic that frequency and essentially block it. I've seen people shed tears of joy in the recovery room when they wake up from their light anesthesia and we turn this device on and they realize their back pain is gone. They cry for joy. Advanced Pain Care at 512-244-4272 or austinpaindoctor.com. They're live, local, and talking about the stories that matter to you. Share your opinions with Mark and Melinda at 512-836-0590. Now, here are Mark and Melinda. It's another huge news day. The Supreme Court had arguments on the Colorado case that took Trump off of their ballot. The special counsel looking into Biden's classified documents issued his final report today. The Senate voted on that package of money for Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan, and more. We're very glad you're with us. We're going to dive into all of these between now and 6 o'clock. You can weigh in with your thoughts, 512-836-0590. It just seems as though each day gets bigger and bigger in this news cycle. Melinda. Well, I I think that that's probably true every time you have an election year, and it's going to be the case Um, As we inch closer and closer, especially when you've got the potential race between Biden, who, um, according to investigators, is senile, and Trump, according to investigators, is just corrupt. (laughs) So when these are our two people up for the presidential office, yeah, it's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. Let's dive into the Supreme Court oral arguments today. Colorado versus Donald Trump. All of the observers who are writing the news headlines and making comments on what they saw, what they heard, are saying it was a bad day for Colorado at the U.S. Supreme Court. That the Supreme Court justices were very skeptical of Colorado's argument that they, as a state, had the power under the 14th Amendment, Section 3, to remove a presidential candidate from their state ballot. Yeah, they just didn't seem to come with a very solid argument as to why they should be allowed to do that. Um, There was a lot made of whether or not there was an insurrection, what defines an insurrection, if that could even be used in this, does it even apply to a national office like the president's office? So if you were to just base it on questions that were asked, I think the majority expect that it'll be a 9-0 coming back to say Colorado can't do that. Yeah, there was also uh, a lot of questions from the uh, Supreme Court justices saying, look, the 14th Amendment, Section 3, does not even mention the president. And if you're trying to claim he is an officer of the federal government, officers are appointed, not Not elected. elected. And so they just kept coming back with all of these arguments against what Colorado did. And Jonathan Turley, George Washington University law professor on Fox, said that it was a very difficult day for Colorado's lawyer. The toughest questions he ran into came from the justices appointed by Democrats to the Supreme Court. Here's Jonathan Turley 
with his thoughts. I think that the advocates for disqualification probably expected a cold reception, uh, but this was perfectly glacial. I mean, the, the problem for uh, Jason Murray is that his toughest questions came from the left of the court. Many people have been saying how the conservatives are going to sandbag this entire appeal and how they have to look deeply within themselves. Uh, many of the toughest questions were coming from Justice Jackson and Justice Kagan. So that's how it played out today. And now we wait for the ruling. Some say it may take weeks Normally, they would issue all of their rulings in June, but the thinking is they want to get this out there and settle this as quickly as possible because there are up to 15 additional states poised to try to remove Trump from their ballots. Yeah, I would think that they would do this pretty quickly. I mean, they did take this up as an emergency hearing, so it seems as though you would have an emergency result as well, that it would come as quickly as possible. Here is a sample of the questions and answers, point, counterpoint. First, you're going to hear uh, Trump's lawyer, and then you'll hear Supreme Court Justice Jackson asking him questions. They're focusing on whether January 6th was an insurrection, and uh, he does not concede that it was an insurrection. He said it was a violent riot, and you'll hear them with their point-counterpoint uh, this morning at the United States Supreme Court. The Colorado Supreme Court concluded that the violent attempts of the petitioner supporters uh, in this case to halt the count uh, on January 6th qualified as an insurrection uh, as defined by Section 3. And I read your opening brief to accept uh, that those events counted as an insurrection. Um, but then your reply seemed to suggest that they were not. So. What is your position oh, as to that? We never accepted or conceded in our opening brief that this was an insurrection. What we said in our opening brief was President Trump did not engage in any act that can plausibly be characterized as insurrection. All right, so because why would this not, not be an insurrection? What is your argument that it's not? Your reply brief says that it wasn't because I think you say um, it did not involve an organized attempt to overthrow right. the government. So That's one of many reasons, but for an insurrection there needs to be an organized, concerted effort to overthrow the government of the United States through violence. And this and so the point is that a chaotic effort to overthrow the government is not an insurrection? No, we didn't concede that it's an effort to overthrow the government either, Justice Jackson. Right? None of these criteria were met. This was a riot. It was not an insurrection. The events were shameful, criminal, violent, all of those things, but it did not qualify as insurrection as that term is used in Section 3. Thank you. Because, thanks. Thank you, Counsel. Thank so, you. So that was uh, Trump's <laughs> lawyer with Justice Jackson. And uh, I heard quite a bit of the part where Trump's lawyer was speaking, and he got some hard questions. He was challenged as well. I don't want to give the impression that the only one who really got the hard questions was Colorado's lawyer. They went after Trump's lawyer quite often as well. Well, as they should. It should be fair. Again, the Supreme Court is there to rule on constitutionality of whatever it is in front of them. And they should be asking questions of both sides equally to get to the bottom of it to make the right decision. Here is former President Trump speaking after the hearing concluded. He was at Mar-a-Lago in Florida when he made these comments today. Well, I'm a believer in our country and I'm a believer in the Supreme Court. Uh, I listened today and I thought our arguments were very, very strong. Uh, an argument that uh, is very important is the fact that you're leading in every race, you're leading in every state, 
you're leading in the country against both Republican and Democrat. And Biden, you're leading in the country by a lot. And can you take the person that's leading everywhere and say, hey, we're not going to let you run? You know, I think that's pretty tough to do, but uh, I'm leaving it up to the Supreme Court. Another thing that came up from a lot of the justices throughout the hearing was, do we really want to allow one or more states to decide a presidential election? Do we want to leave it up to one state like Colorado, which could be the deciding factor in the electoral college count? Well, and that's what I was going to say. Isn't that why they came up with that to start with, so that it wouldn't be one state that was making the decision for the entire nation because they had the most populous there, they had the bigger population? Wasn't that the reason why the college was invented? The Electoral College? Yes. Yes, yes. So they went back and forth, around and around. Most observers think that the day did not go well for Colorado based on the points being made and the questions being asked by the uh, justices, both those appointed by Democrats and Republicans. You can weigh in with your thoughts, 512-836-0590. Also, another major story today is the special counsel who was appointed to look into President Biden taking those classified documents as a senator and vice president has issued his final report, and he says, I do not recommend any criminal charges against President Biden. Uh, But the bigger news coming out of that report has nothing to do with whether or not they're recommending the criminal charges. It's the reason why they've decided not to recommend the criminal charges. And that was that Mr. Herr explained in the report that he just did not think that considering Biden's age, and his poor memory would play well in front of jurors. Uh, He said it would be difficult to convince a jury that they should convict him of a serious felony that requires a mental state of willfulness. He said during the interview, we saw he presented himself, Mr. Biden, sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. Uh, There was other parts of the reports that started to come out where they went into more specifics as to why they're saying Biden has a poor memory. And some of the things that they cited was he could not tell you when his term ended as vice president, when it started. He couldn't even say, even within a couple of years, of what year his son passed away, Bo died. And those are all in the report. And it's really devastating for President Biden as you read through the description of the federal prosecutors about his mental state, his very poor memory. Yeah, it brings up more questions. Set aside the documents, which I think was wrong, especially when you see uh, that in the report it stated that he willfully retained and shared that information with someone who absolutely did not have security clearance and then the stuff that was in there. Set that aside it, it gives us the first real glimpse of what we already thought and can see for ourselves every time we see him, is that this is not someone who should be in charge of our nation. 512-836-0590. Get in here and join us with your thoughts. Call or text us. It's Mark and Melinda, 512-836-0590. And now back to the Mark and Melinda show. Join the conversation at 512-836-0590. 
417, Jack is here producing. Great to have you with us. Robert, welcome. How are you this afternoon? Yeah, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. You know, one of the things they, they didn't talk about in this Trump Colorado case is another clause in the 14th Amendment that no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. And by, you know, Colorado unilaterally charging and convicting Trump of insurrection, which is false, in my opinion, they are depriving him of his liberty of running for president. And you just can't do that in this country, you know, bring charges and convict people without due process. And, it, you know, it should be thrown out for that reason also. But, you know, from a practical point of view, if the Supreme Court were to uphold Colorado's case, then, then what you would see is all the red states, many red states, remove Biden from the ballot and uh, for his various inadequacies and unconstitutional actions, which would create total chaos. So it just wouldn't be practical from that point of view either. Well, yeah, anything you do that where you say, okay, we're going to allow a state to determine who's on the ballot or not, takes that decision out of the hands of the American people, which is what the election is about. Instead, it's having appointed or um, people in any state deciding the outcome for the American people. If you can't have someone on the ballot, people can't vote for them unless they write them in, which that would be an absolutely interesting experiment if Colorado, if the Supreme Court decides to do this and then Trump ends up winning Colorado because everybody just wrote him in. (laughs) (laughs) Robert, thank you. Have a good afternoon. Uh, Here's another soundbite from George Washington law professor Jonathan Turley. After the arguments had ramped up, he was on Fox a little bit earlier today. These were questions that were hitting him below the waterline. And he didn't have a really good answer for it. Every one of them, including some of the liberal justices, kept on coming back and saying, how are we going to handle this? You can have different states applying different standards. A number of the justices said, what's even our review? Do we have to accept what Colorado did? Because even their own justices said that there was no due process here. All right, so uh, he's talking about how even the liberal justices were throwing hard questions and points at the Colorado lawyer. And then right there at the end, you heard him touch on what Robert just brought up in his call, that Trump did not receive due process at Colorado, and they've admitted that. Well, and how would Colorado give him due process? That's not where the quote-unquote insurrection occurred. Let's go to Mike in East Austin, 420 with Mark and Melinda. Good afternoon, Mike. How are you? Good afternoon. It was interesting. The special counsel did did not come back and did not recommend charges against President Biden. But one factor they did not mention, I haven't heard, you can't charge a sitting president. So you cannot, they couldn't charge Trump. They can't charge Biden until he's either impeached and removed by the Senate or he's beaten and no longer in office. That's the reason they waited to do what they did when Trump was a private citizen, because you can't charge a sitting president. Wouldn't it be Uh, interesting, uh, under that scenario you just outlined, Biden would come back and say, but I have immunity. I'm out of the office. (laughs) I had to have immunity. That's what he would claim. Most likely he would claim that. Yes. But here's my point. I'm not a big fan of Trump, but I do believe in equality. And if they're going to charge Trump for such a thing, when Biden leaves office, then you charge him too. On the cla- you know, you on can't... the classified documents. 
Yes, on okay. classified documents. Yeah. You can't have it both ways. You can't play politics with that and say, we're going to charge one guy, we're not going to charge the other. you got to charge. If you're going to do one, you got to do the other two. That's just fair play and due process. Well, the, so, uh, uh, the report by the special counsel uh, says, and this is their word, that Biden willfully took the classified documents mm-hmm. and willfully retained them. And at one point, he even shared them with the ghostwriter of his book, including classified material on Afghanistan, was shared with a writer who had no authority Clarence. under federal law to see classified materials. That's the same thing that Donald Trump did, in my opinion. And there's no excuse for that. I don't care who you are. The reason they're not, the reason they can't, they can't charge him, number one, because he's sitting president. And, you know, and so I, again, I'm not, again, I don't believe in tit for tat, but I believe in fair play. I think when Biden leaves office, he should be charged with it. Now, I doubt if they will, but he should be because he did the exact same thing that Trump allegedly did. There are uh, people who had been in our U.S. military who've had their careers ruined yeah. for uh, stealing classified documents, mishandling them, et cetera, et cetera. And it, it's supposed to be the same policy for everyone. They all seem sign the same document that outlines, here are the rules, here are the penalties for mishandling classified documents. But no one's above the law. Uh, Mike, thank you. Have a good afternoon. 512-836-0590. Scott is in North Austin. Hey, Scott, welcome. How are you? Doing okay. How are y'all? Great, sir. Welcome. Has anybody commented on the fact that Colorado effectively said that Trump can't be on the ballot because he engaged in insurrection, but now their own lawyers are arguing that they don't claim that he did engage in insurrection? So they're saying he needs to be disqualified for doing something he didn't do. I, I, I didn't hear their lawyer say that today. Was that part of the time you no, were listening? Yeah, the last clip you were talking about where he was arguing with uh, Katenji Brown-Jackson, that she was asking him about that, that he, he was effectively saying they're not conceding that he engaged in insurrection. Whatever he did was terrible and utterly lost, but they're not conceding that it that was, was Trump's lawyer. That that was oh, Trump's that was lawyer, lawyer that was saying that. Yeah. Okay. Y- yes, sir, Mike. I misunderstood then. No, no, no. That's uh, okay. May I make another point, though? Yes, yes, please in do. One of the other. Uh, you, some br- judge asked the president. Some judge asked if the president could hire Team Seal Six, Seal Team Six, to kill somebody. Um. Barack Obama was accused of essentially that same thing when he killed an American citizen. Yes, yes, I, I remember that case, yes. And you're, you're referencing the hypothetical brought up by the federal judge on this. So, yeah, that kind of thing has come up, and I would argue that the president has the authority to do that without criminal charges. Yes, and, and that's something Trump touched on today, Scott, at Mar-a-Lago. He said, look, any president needs to have complete confidence that when he's making these decisions, life and death decisions, he doesn't have to worry about somebody coming after him with criminal charges after he's out of office. He said, you're going to destroy the presidency. That was his argument. Yeah, but but this this did happen a couple of years ago, even though we're, some people in the media are mocking that argument now. There were people who really wanted Obama prosecuted for this. Yes, that's right. You're correct about that, Scott. Thank you. Have a good afternoon. 512-836-0590. You can call, you can text. Also today, the U.S. Senate 
held a vote on that new package of money for Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan, and humanitarian aid for Gaza. Nothing about the U.S. border. And they did vote to keep it moving through the process. They got 67 votes to break the filibuster. So that allows them now to have full debate on this measure. And Schumer says, I'll allow amendments. But they got to 67, and they're moving on this and moving ahead, Melinda. It'll be interesting to see what amendments, if any, are offered up, because I just don't think that there is an appetite to amend anything that's in that. I think the majority of them in that Senate, and I don't know about the House, are absolutely fine with the way that this is written and sending it. 512-836-0590. Get in here and join us. We have news headlines next. It's Mark and Melinda. We are discussing the major U.S. Supreme Court hearing on Colorado versus Donald Trump. Uh, Colorado, you'll remember, had a Supreme Court ruling that said Trump would be banned from their ballot. Uh, The general impression after today's hearing is that Colorado had a tough day before the justices. Most of the justices had strong questions for Colorado, objections, counterpoints. So a lot of people are now concluding that the the ruling, when it does emerge, will favor Donald Trump, and the order will be to put him back on the ballot in Colorado. We just have to wait now to see how narrowly they write it. Is it only focused on Colorado? I would imagine they want to try to do something that uh, forestalls any other state even attempting this. In other words, something that just covers all states, including Maine, which has already removed him. Well, I mean, wouldn't it, if they come back and say Colorado doesn't have the right to do that, wouldn't that automatically apply to every state? It should, and they should make that clear in their ruling, which should be No issued. state can yes. make a determination of who is on a ballot. In a federal race. In a federal race. Yes. And that was a big point of arguments today. Uh, the justices kept saying, we believe the intent of the people who wrote the 14th Amendment was to restrict uh, what was happening with regard to national races. They didn't want states interfering with people running for national offices. It was okay if they wanted to control who was running for state offices. Because it only affected them within that state. It doesn't affect the whole nation. Right. Uh, 512-836-0590. We're also talking about the Senate voting today to move forward on aid for Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan, and humanitarian aid in Gaza. Here's the breakdown on the money. $19 to replace U.S. weapons that we have sent for Ukraine to use. So So that means companies here would start manufacturing so that we have the weapons here to replace what we've already sent? Yes, that our own military would replace their stocks of ammunition and weapons. $13 billion would go to Ukraine. They would then turn around and use that money to buy more U.S. weapons. What? That's so. Why don't you just send them thirteen billion dollars of weapons? Fourteen billion is for U.S. training of Ukraine. Fourteen billion dollars to pay for training of Ukraine. That's an enormous amount of money. Eight billion dollars to pay the salaries of Ukraine government employees, and we've been doing that throughout the war, paying the salaries of their employees. 
Schumer says he will allow amendments when they begin debate on this package. Cornyn did vote yes. You said uh, Cruz voted no. Is that right? Yeah, Cornyn, uh, I think, was the only Texas senator that voted yes for this. And then you had, like, Tillis and Murkowski were other ones that voted. Of course, McConnell was a yes. Cassidy, a yes. Kennedy was a yes. Romney, Ernst, Rounds, Grassley. You know, the ones that have been there for a while. Well, it is possible they could turn around (laughs) and vote no on the final package, but I doubt it. I don't think that's going to happen. So we'll follow that and keep you up to date. You can weigh in with your thoughts on that one as well at 512-836-0590. Also today, the special counsel says he is recommending no criminal charges against President Biden for uh, taking those classified documents as a senator and as the vice president. He says he willfully took them, willfully withheld them, shared critical classified documents with a ghostwriter who was helping him write his book. But given all of that, he is still not recommending criminal charges against President Biden. Well, and when you read the report, one, it's sad, it's dangerous as to what we're seeing. they, They wrote it in this report. He is declining Mentally, they just did not see him being fit enough to get up on the stand and have to answer any questions on the stand. They said within just a few days of our interviewing the investigators on day one, um, he the president could not remember when his vice presidency term ended. The next day, he couldn't remember when his vice presidency term started. He had trouble remembering, and they said within a couple, even within a couple of years of when his son, Bo, died. Now, members of the Biden administration have sent a letter to her because this is what's getting the most coverage today. Not so much that he's not being going to be held criminally liable for this. It's what was written in the report about President Biden's memory. So his people wrote to her that says they they don't believe that the report's treatment of President Biden's memory is accurate or appropriate. It uses highly prejudicial language to describe a commonplace occurrence among witnesses, which is a lack of recall of years old events. Okay, that would be true if he couldn't remember the day he took those papers, the day he put them in the garage. You're talking about major events. When did you become vice president? Mm -hmm. When did your child pass away? Those usually are things that people are going to remember. Yes. So uh, they describe him as an elderly man with a failing memory. Really bad memory. Most voters in the polling have already reached that conclusion that he's not mentally fit to serve in the office. The rest of this term, or certainly for another term, he cannot be commander-in-chief because of his failing mental capabilities. So we will see from here if this is just a today thing or if this is something that continues and there are questions asked. Um I know we've discussed before about the 25th Amendment. Would this be something that they do now? Or they use this to say, hey, Joe, not only this report says you're failing memory, which, I mean, my goodness, if you 
are going to be making big, important decisions. I would hope you'd be able to remember those decisions the next day that you made or, or whatever you're even trying to think about making the next day. Um, besides this, you're not doing well in the polls. Let's let's maybe call it a day and be done with the with the whole campaign. I think some in the Democratic Party are having that conversation right now. 512-836-0590. Catherine is in Round Rock with Mark and Melinda, 437. Hi, Catherine. How are you? Hello. Good afternoon. Thanks. Um, you know, I just was about to say pretty much what Melinda just said. It's shocking to me <laughs> that we still have this this fellow in office when every... You know, it reminds me of that story about the emperor. What was it? The emperor's new clothes? And everybody could see him walking around naked, except nobody dared say. Mm-hmm. And finally, some young, innocent child said, hey, he doesn't have any clothes on. <laughs> and it's like, that's what it reminds me of. It's like everybody sees that, that President Biden is not capable of being president, let alone making, you know, uh, decisions about foreign policy and possibly war and so on. But yet nobody, even his own party, doesn't dare so far to do anything about it. It's crazy. This is just so bizarre to me. Think about uh, the dangerous state we're in right now. Just focus on the Middle East, Catherine. Uh, The potential for a full-blown extensive war breaking out Mm -hmm. in multiple countries over there. It's a very, very dangerous situation. Yes, sir. And look who we have. I, I realize he's just a Democrat Party figurehead, and he's not making these decisions. However, what if he really did? I mean, this is pretty frightening, the whole situation. But, it's Catherine, amazing. that's a problem in itself, too. The people elected this man to make decisions, and yeah. I think all of us know he's not the one making decisions. That's a huge issue. It is. It sure is, isn't it? This is unprecedented, honestly. Yeah. Catherine, thank you. Have a good afternoon. 512-836-0590. Call or text to join the conversation. We'd also like to get your thoughts on the announcement made today by TxDOT. They said they they recognize when they start tearing up I-35 to make major changes to it, they're going to be destroying some of the campsites for the homeless who like to camp under some of the bridges on I-35. And so they proudly announced that they have purchased seven acres of land for a new campsite for the homeless in southeast Austin. This is going to be near the Esperanza community that used to be that TxDOT service yard there in southeast Austin that's been turned into a homeless camp. So they bought seven acres very close by, and they're going to turn that into a new homeless campsite. I'm not going to be so nice here. TxDOT should be asking for some money from the city of Austin because the city of Austin voters voted for no camping. So had they enacted that, TxDOT would not have to do this to make sure that the people under the bridges, because there wouldn't be people under the bridges. That's first said. Um, Second, I don't think that this is a bad idea because... The state has done a great job with Esperanza community. Anytime I have read a report or seen a news report on this, those people there that were able to turn that into a functioning community are content with the way that it is being ran. They they think that it is actually helping. And so expanding on that can only be a good thing. Well, and the uh, nonprofit group, the Other Ones Foundation, has been in charge of the day-to-day operations of the Esperanza community. 
So they they need some uh, applause as well for the job they're doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're going to help run this new site of seven acres. Governor Greg Abbott put out a statement. He says, I'm for this. I like what they're doing at TxDOT. We're going to be tearing down a lot of those bridges and overpasses. And so the homeless who have been camping there, we're going to invite them to move to this new location. 512-836-0590. You can weigh in on that one. This press release does not say how much TxDOT paid for the seven acres. That's important information. Nor does it say exactly when they hope to open up this campsite. And uh, what is the enticement for the homeless to actually go out there and live at this location? That's another question. 512-836-0590. JR is calling from Copper's Cove this afternoon. Hello, JR. Welcome. How are you? I'm doing all right. Hey, man, I wanted to talk about this uh, this uh, Ukraine package and, and, you know, sending the billions of dollars and everything over there. Yes. Um, number one, I'm, under, I'm understanding that we've already sent tons of money over there. Um, and from what I'm seeing, we've got, we've got the Ukraine and Russia, and then we've got the Israel conflict. We've got China and Taiwan. Uh, we're trying to send over $13 billion for them to buy weapons from us. Well, number one, that, that's all that seems to me is like somebody's trying to fluff their pocket. Uh, number two, all the weapons and, and the cash of ammunition and everything that we left in Afghanistan already put a dent in our arsenal. And so now we're just going to give away more of it. You know, what happens if we have to go over to Europe, God forbid, and we come into a scenario where it's another battle of the bulge? We just, we don't have, you know, the resources and everything to take care of our own stuff. No, that's, that's a good point. And uh, people have been uh, noting that now for quite a while. So I think, JR, that's why they said we're going to put $19 billion in here to replace the U.S. military weapons we've handed out already to Ukraine to use against the Russians because our own military is running low on certain categories. But that doesn't make sense. Then they turn around and say, but we're going to give them $13 billion to buy weapons. Well, there's a difference of $6 billion there. We're just going to hang on to $6 billion worth of weapons? No, I get the impression um, the $13 billion Ukraine will buy are separate from the $19 billion worth the U.S. military is going to buy. I'm saying you should track that. We are getting $19 billion to be made to replenish the stock and then another $13 billion. The manufacturers have already said they can't even produce that quickly. Right. right. They're, they're, adding, uh, they're building new factories uh, to, to make these weapons. Right. And there are also trying to replace the uh, the, the current AR-15s and things that we have with a different type of platform altogether. And they've been working on that for quite a few years now. So, you know, like, where, where is all that money going, you know? So are, are you a definite no vote on all of this, Jr. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we need to take care of everything that we have here on our own soil prior to trying to take care of, you know, everybody else's situation. Because, you know... It'll be just like Vietnam. We're going to step into something and not know exactly what's going on, or you know, we've got our own people fighting against us because nobody can get along, nobody can agree on anything, and the one main thing they need to agree on is taking care of the American people. All right, thank you, Jr. Have a good afternoon. Five one two eight three six zero five ninety. It's four forty four with Mark and Melinda. And now back to the Mark and Melinda show. Join the conversation at 512-836-0590. 
We just mentioned that TxDOT says it has bought seven acres of land in southeast Austin to create a new homeless campsite. Uh, they're concerned that the homeless who now live under bridges on I-35 won't have any place to live when they start the big reconstruction project on I-35, tearing down some of the bridges. Governor Abbott says he likes the move. He applauds it. Related to all of this, KXAN has a report today that says some of the homeless living at the city of Austin facility called the Marshalling Yard are complaining about how they're being treated out there. They don't like the food. They don't like the staff. And they have lots of complaints about the city of Austin Marshalling Yard. Uh, One, the food is ridiculous. I know one of the complaints was that someone's medicine got stolen and they said that they weren't able to get it replaced quick enough. That's a valid complaint. That is a valid complaint. Complaining about the food, that it's fast food and not these healthy six-course meals (laughs) is absolutely ridiculous. Alfredo Reyes is one of the homeless complaining about the food. He spoke with KXAN. He says, uh, this is just not acceptable. What they're feeding us, how often they're feeding us out there. Three times a day, junk food, basically fast food, like um, pizza, um, Danny's. Three times a day we're getting food, but my goodness, it's fast food. It's free. It's it's constant three times a day, but it's not what we want. What was he eating when he was on the street? Was he getting salads delivered to him? <laughs> I doubt it. Uh, and here's another one complaining about how the staff treat people. He's one who says he's mentally ill and ran out of his medicine, couldn't get it, and then uh, got into a confrontation a member with a member of the staff. He ended up being thrown out of the facility. Finally, after a month, I, uh, I was feeling really, really bad, uh, spending most of my time in my bed, and I got into an altercation with one of the staff, and I threw some food on the floor. I lost my temper. So they booted him, and he says that was unjust and unfair. I, I don't know the whole situation, but if I am to take him as at his word, If he wasn't on the medication that he was supposed to be on, I'm sure it probably did have an impact on his inability to control his emotions. And I bet it was a lot more than just uh, throwing food on the floor like a three-year-old having a fit. Here's David Gray, the strategy officer for homeless activities with the city of Austin. He says, we do not tolerate violence at these kind of shelters. I want to be clear that, you know, we... We don't take exits lightly. We, we really try everything to not exit clients. But violence of any form towards other clients or towards shelter staff or my staff is not tolerated. And I believe him. I, I bet they bend over backwards before they boot somebody out of one of these facilities. Yes, and, and I agree with him that you should not have to put up with any kind of violence for anyone, whether it's against someone else that is staying there or whether it's against the staff. I did find it really interesting. We finally got a few numbers out of them. They talked about how many people have already been to the marshalling yard since they opened it. They said about 577 people. Um, They do say about roughly half of those are no longer there. Um, And less than 30 were actually moved to permanent housing. 200 went to we don't know where. But just under 30 went to permanent Mm. housing out of 577. So, yes, we are making improvements. (laughs) That does not sound like success to me. 
Not not at the amount of money no. that is being spent for this. Uh, you can weigh in with your thoughts, 512-836-0590. You can call, you can text us. Two women who were on a cruise to the Bahamas say they're furious with Carnival Cruises. Carnival did not tell them about the U.S. State Department warning about the dangers in the Bahamas. The women say they were drugged and raped in the Bahamas. And now they are speaking out against Carnival Cruises. They say they failed to tell us about the State Department alert. First and foremost, I'm going to say it's horrible what has happened. It's horrible what is going on in the Bahamas, a beautiful place. But this story, as I was reading, the main question to me was, is this the responsibility of Carnival? If I'm going somewhere, and again, maybe it's just me, I like to look and see, okay, where I'm staying, uh, what kind of reports do they have, what's, what's the activity level there, is it, you know, run by gangs, is it, what, what kind of area am I going to be in? So I do think that they have some responsibility of themselves. You're going on vacation, go where you're going, see if there's been any kind of alerts. I do think that if Carnival knew about it, that should be as they're uh, disembarking for the day. Hey, just a reminder, the State Department has issued warnings here. Don't go off with men. Um, Make sure you can see your drink at all times. Whatever Mm -hmm. you need to throw out there, I think that they should do that. But the question here is, are they obligated to make sure that every person on that boat hears that a lot of people hear an announcement like that they just tune it out they don't even hear it ethically uh they should do it i agree with you i I think they should that is the right thing to do these are their paying customers uh and they should say we want to inform you this is what the u.s state department is saying now i get the impression this was a cruise only to the bahamas Mm -hmm. four days Is it possible that Carnival thought, you know, this is only going to the Bahamas. Let's not alert people as to what the State Department is saying. Well, I don't know. And maybe they maybe it was possible that they thought, well, these are happening at resorts. They're staying on the boat. So, you know, like sleeping on the boat, there's going off during the day. Perhaps that means it's not quite as dangerous for them. I also got the impression in reading the story that these women or at least their attorneys seem to think that perhaps Carnival should put an end to these trips when state departments issue warnings like this. Like, how dare Carnival go to the Bahamas knowing that they're having issues right now is kind of the sense I got from reading this. Mm, That may be going too far uh, because the state department did not say under no circumstances. Don't come. (laughs) Yes. Do not come to the Bahamas. Do not set foot on on these islands. 512-836-0590. You can weigh in with your thoughts. We've got a lot to cover just ahead right after the news. Mark and Melinda. Dr. Mark Malone from Advanced Pain Care on how the spinal cord stimulator blocks pain signals, bringing patients relief at last. And we're able to tune this device to mimic that frequency and essentially block it. I've seen people shed tears of joy in the recovery room when they wake up from their light anesthesia and we turn this device on and they realize their back pain is gone. They cry for joy. Advanced Pain Care at 512-244-4272 or austinpaindoctor.com.